Caregivers, have you ever felt like nothing is going right? Well, cheer up and welcome to Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver radio program, where you'll learn how to avoid that dreaded thing called caregiver burnout and how to survive the grieving process. Join Dave and his guests now as they share practice tips and tools that you can start using immediately to help get you through this day. Now, here's your caregiver host, Dave Nassani. From Los Angeles and the Big Apple in Manhattan, this is Caregiver Dave, and you're on the Caregiver Dave Show. And let's see now. My lovely co-host, Adrian Gruberg, is with us today. Always nice when that happens, which is most of the time. Say hello, Adrian. <laughs> hello. <laughs> and we're coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on 16 global and audio video platforms. And there are just so many. Should I Should I name them? Should I not name them i'm going to name them what the heck uh we got itunes youtube spreaker soundcloud vimeo stitcher blog talk radio mixcloud listen <laughs> notes i just can't do it in one breath blueberry player fm podcast.com vip internet radio facebook live healthylife.net and caregiverdave.com and we are so proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 that's right i said 55 uh podcast for caregivers on player fm and one of the top six best podcasts on Caring.com. And we have an exciting show planned for you today, don't we, Adrian? Yes, we do. Right on cue. <laughs> Joe Murphy, author of Living Full Tilt, Celebrate Life, the new number one international best-selling book, guiding the reader and understanding what we actually accomplish by learning to unconditionally accept and love ourselves. That's an important message. Important. But before we get started, I want to take this moment to thank last week's guest, uh, author of the book Softening Grief, Joan Markwell, and she's a pretty good authority when you're grieving, let me tell you. And just a reminder, you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, or any of the other 16 global networks that I mentioned earlier, like iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, etc., all right, enough of that. Welcome to the show, Joe, the man who found his calling as a Lyft driver. <laughs> so excited to have you on. Well, thank you, Dave. Thank you, Andrea. This is, I am excited, and, and I, I appreciate this opportunity to talk with you and your audience. And I want to congratulate you on, uh, I said, number one, job number well one. done. Yes, <laughs> a Adrian and I are, are very proud of that, and Adrian and I are very uh, happy to have you on the show since we met you at the National Publicity Summit in New York, and uh, we met a lot of great people, and you're you're one of them. So uh, I like to ask my guests, um, why was Joe Murphy put on this earth? Dave, Adrian, I, I think I've thought, given that question, a lot of a lot of thought, <laughs> especially at times that had left me wondering. Why? What? What? I? What had I done? Did, did, did had I pissed God off because things <laughs> not going well? But what I found was that I mean we are each here to make choices, to write our story, to write ourselves a new story, and I was I'm here specifically to experience that and share that insight for any all that are receptive to writing themselves a new story 
Wow. That's a pretty good answer. The good go. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell us about the Lyft driver thing. <laughs> well, the Lyft driver thing, I, I've always been an entrepreneur. I, since I've worked, since back when Nixon was president and I worked with in the welfare department and, and that job came to a close, I went into becoming an entrepreneur to be uh-huh. my own boss. And after the last company I had created failed, uh, I had to pay the bills. We mm. all know that feeling. I had to pay the bills to support my family. And I took a job driving with Lyft to uh, to experience that. See, check it out and see how that would work out. Uh-huh. How'd and that work out for you? <laughs> I discovered I love driving with Lyft. <laughs> Really? <laughs> it's like being paid to play because <laughs> two, two of my favorite things are driving and meeting and talking with people. That's, and that's the best of both. Best way. Wow. That's awesome. So about your book, what's the name of it again? Living Full Tilt. Celebrate life. And why and, on earth did you buy the, Did you write that book? Because so many things happen in life that we leaves us feeling, most of us feeling like asking, why are we here? What did I do wrong? Who uh-huh. did I piss off? <laughs> but instead of celebrating life, I've got a little funny story for you. When, okay. when I was nine years old, I, I, grade school was terrible because I had a terrible auto accident when I was four and changed mm-hmm. my life. Oh, I didn't wow. feel like I fit in. And I read a book. My dad had this little book called Your Greatest Power. And I thought it was going to tell me how to have instant muscles because I I, <laughs> I saw those Charles Atlas cart, uh, ads in the comic book saying oh, instant books. muscles. Uh-huh. Oh, I was going to get instant muscles and kick butt. <laughs> <laughs> but it said my greatest power was a power to choose. And I threw that book down in disgust because that was not what this little boy wanted to read. But I learned as I thought about it afterwards, the power to choose is everything. Hmm. So did you have a lot of Lyft drivers? I mean, uh, you're the driver. Did you have a lot of Lyft um, passengers? How long did you do it for? And You're still doing it? Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I I was curious. um, What... Uh, stories you have from your Lyft experience that that kind of molded you and changed your life and gave you new perspective. Can you share some stories? You don't have to share the I, names or anything. Sure. I, I One of my stories that I like very well is there was a nurse that I would pick up. Uh, I get I, She would call and request a ride occasionally and I would, or frequently, and I would receive a request occasionally. Mm-hmm. And we would share and uh, go into some meaningful conversation. And, it, and the last time I gave, her, uh, gave, I gave her a ride, she saw, got in, the, got in the car and said, I saw you were coming, Joe, and I knew that God was listening because uh-huh. you give me, you listen and you give me good insight. Wow. That was See, that was inspirational. It was. Another inspirational, if you will, for me. I had a young man, high, junior, high school junior, getting my, I gave a ride to school. And he and I got into a deep conversation, although I don't normally talk 
deeply with uh, young people. But he and I got in a deep conversation, and then uh, two weeks or so went by, and I gave him another ride, and he got into a we got into another deep conversation, and mm. then about two weeks later, on a Saturday, I I got a request from the house he lived in, went mm. by and picked up his mother, <laughs> and she got in the car, and we started wow. talking, and I opened up conversation, and she said, "I think you gave my son a ride." <laughs> and I said, yes, I did. And she said, I don't know if he told you, but the conversation was very important to him. Mm. Fact is, he came home after school and we had a deep, meaningful conversation that I am so grateful to have had with my son. And then she asked if she could give me a hug. Uh. <laughs> I, wow. I I told her I appreciated that moment, that awareness, because that, that was what it was all about. Yeah, you know, it's very rare that, that I mean, I, I've been in, I can't even count how many Lyft and Uber cars I've been in, but it's rare, rare, it's never happened to me, where I get the same guy twice, ever. And I guess it happens, because I, sometimes I ask the, the drivers, uh, do you ever get the same one picked up? And they say, well, sometimes. But like you said, sometimes there's someone who likes you, and then they they just request you or they uh, make advanced reservations with you. And I always share my wisdom and my life with uh, the driver, and it, we always end up having a deep conversation. But it's nice to hear it from the other end. So um, what other stories can you share from Lyft? Because those are, those are you know, God moments, in my opinion. Yes, thank you. The, on the other side of the coin, what the driver can learn. The, I, I was trying to, one, one, it was a Friday coming up to the end of the week for me. Mm. And I was trying to meet, I had a, a weekly goal and I was behind, behind the eight ball. And I said a little prayer. I asked, I did my, I have a little, what I call my ass process where we can ask for what we want. And I, I did my little ask process. And I was standing at, setting at a light, and it was 15 minutes to, to closing time for me. And I had never done four rides in, four, in 15 minutes. Wow. <laughs> but I needed four rides. So I <laughs> asked, and before the light changed, I had my first request right on the corner, caddy cornered from me, a short ride, dropped them off. Before they got out of the cab, I, before I got in my car, I had another request. And the bottom line was, in that 15 minutes, I had completed three rides and had my fourth ride requested, which when I get the request is what, it's all, what all counts. So... Unbelievably, <laughs> I, by asking for what I wanted and being grateful, I received I, four rides. It hit my numbers. It was incredible. Well, that's awesome. Um, now, you talk about love in your book, uh, you know, and how we can't love anyone more than we love ourselves. And that is so true. You know, there's a Bible verse that says, love others the way you love yourself. Well, duh. Yeah. If you're not really fond of yourself or you hate yourself, <laughs> uh, you know, how in the world are you going to love others as you love yourself? Um, 
And you talk about how you want to help people convert that little voice in their head. Yes. And I, and I got, yeah, a little voice in my head told me to tell my stepbrother, you know, to come sailing with us when I was going that particular day. But I yes. disobeyed the voice. I instead said, hey, you need to come with us, you know, when we go ne again next week. And when I got home, I found out he had killed himself that day. And so I learned the hard way we must oh, obey God. that voice. I know. That little voice. That little voice. I never that knew that, voice. Dave. Oh, Go ahead, I'll, Adrian. I'll send, I'll send you the video on the speech that I did at uh, one of the Harvards. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, I dealt with a lot of self-guilt and, you know, forgiveness and forgiving myself, asking God to forgive me, you know, because who knows, if I would have just listened to that voice, he might still be alive today, you know, maybe not, but, you know, I think it was a lesson for uh, all of us, and that's why I'm telling the speech, you know. I, I talk about that story. I never told that story before, but I was encouraged to tell a story that I had never told anybody. And I don't share that story very often, but uh, I told the world that story about six months ago, and it um, it's helping a lot of people. It is helping a lot of people because it's very that's a very important message, Dave. And mm. by share, when we share our experiences, what we ourselves have learned, with those that are receptive to listen and think about it, ponder on it, mm -hmm. they can gain the insight that we paid the price for. Yeah. Uh, Adrian, I just want to tell you, I was 18 when it happened. So, I mean, it, oh. hasn't, it's, it wasn't recently. Yeah, but still, <laughs> you know, yeah. My father was going through a divorce. He was divorcing my mother, and he started dating uh, a female attorney. And her son was one of the classmates that I had gone to Catholic school like all my life and so mm. I knew him and it was very awkward you know for both of us and so you know that's that's kind of how it happened and and uh, I've, I've had a lot of time to heal over that <laughs> like for, 45 years <laughs> but still it's 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 uh, it's something you don't forget <laughs> yeah it's a significant Every moment Everyone has um, a story about how suicide has touched their life, you know, whether they, um, you know, thought about killing themselves or were so depressed that, that it seemed like there was no way out or maybe they actually attempted it or maybe somebody foiled it or, or maybe they just chickened out or they know somebody. I mean, not too long ago, you know, Anthony Bourdain uh, and I used to envy this guy. I used to watch him on mm -hmm. on CNN all the time you know, on the weekends. Right. It seemed like a great life. Uh, yeah, the guy's got amazing hair that I wish I had. He's got, <laughs> he can travel all over the world. He can eat anything he anything. wants. And I mean, how does a guy like that be so depressed about his life that he that he takes it? You know, it, I I just don't understand. But I guess that's how depression is. Can't see it from the outside, generally speaking. Just, just, yeah. What was it? The Beatles, I believe, had a song about uh, the, the small town wealthy person that had everything from the outside, and then he blew his brains out at the uh, light because he had nothing mm. that he wanted on the inside. Yeah. So have you ever dealt with depression and, you know, becoming suicidal, Joe, since we're all just talking and uh, amongst ourselves here. <laughs> See, uh, yes, I have, Dave. I, I have dealt, have been had depression, deep depression, and 
really was ready to take that moment, take mm. that step, and and to escape because I didn't, I couldn't understand what had happened, why it had happened, and it appeared I had led my family onto the street. Mm. And yeah. I, I didn't, I couldn't, I didn't know how to deal with that. A lot of people just want to stop the pain, and that's the only way they know how to stop the pain. Have you shared that story with anyone? No. Wow. Not to is... that. Not 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 in that depth. No. I've shared yeah. the story of being in pain uh -huh. and and my thinking of being terrified. I'd led my family onto the street. I think but that's going to be your second book, uh, Joe. <laughs> 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 not going to be an easy one to write. Oh, you know, Dave, Adrian, it, 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 when we have our moments of triumph or moments of success, uh -huh. that builds our confidence. Yeah. That builds our self-esteem. But it is when we are struggling. It's when we are in the deep in the engine room trying to get it going. <laughs> that's when we learn. Yeah. And like you said, that inner voice uh not only does it tell us to do things that, that we should do, you know, it's like our little conscience, but uh, after a while it will help us to to love ourselves more because, you know, there are other voices in our head besides that one, one that says, you're an idiot, you're a fool, uh, no one's going <laughs> to like you, you know, and, and many times they're the voice of someone in our childhood, like our father says, you're never going to amount to anything, you know. Uh, stuff like that, and that just plays. And you know the old saying, "Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never harm you." Yeah, they well, do. <laughs> sticks and stones, you know. At least your bones will heal. <laughs> you know, and the the abrasions and the contusions they will heal, but those words, man, it's tough to get rid of those. Well, you know, they cool. say forgive and forget, but <laughs> you might be able to forgive. In time, but it's very hard to forget that voice is yeah. always in your head. And the well, hard part I'm is, gonna... unless you forget, you really haven't forgiven. You know, you're just in the process of forgiving. I'm also going to share. I have a different perspective that I present in my book about that, and I say that we are we are confused because we take things personal that are not personal. Personal yeah. means ownership. When right. somebody else says something, the words that hurt us, we have a choice. We have we're in the we've fallen in the trap of letting those words hurt us. I have a story I'll, I'll share if I may. I was yeah. my wife and I were at a Jack Canfield seminar in Dallas, maybe fifteen years ago. Mm. So it's been quite a while. It was chicken a soup huge, for the soul. Yes. It was a huge auditorium. Midday, Jack is walking in the crowd and talking to us as he walks. And, and then he stops about four rows behind me and my wife. About four rows back, he, he stops and turns this little this young woman sitting on the corner on the edge, last seat. And she, he asks, are you learning anything? Are you having a, is this a good experience? And she's all bubbly and happy and this. <laughs> It's, it, we, it's coming out with these great words of how happy she is. And then, without warning, he tore into her, chewed her up one side, down the other, spit her out, 
ground his heel on. I mean, it was terrible. And he said, what are you thinking now? And she's crying. She can't. She was unable to talk. Wow. And, and he said, there's only one thing for you to be thinking. What's his problem? You don't don't absorb the emotion of my words because they're not personal to you. They're only personal to the person who said them. Yeah. Yeah, you, you need thick skin to live in this world. <laughs> you can't take anything personal because a lot of times people, they're not thinking right. You know, they're just, they're hurting just like you. They've been uh, damaged just like you. They're trying to survive just like you. They may have tried to kill themselves just like you. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, hurting people hurt people, <laughs> you know, unfortunately. See, and oftentimes they don't even mean to. And then forget it. And then and another perspective is they can just be hungry or grouchy or yeah. sleepy. And those three, those three mindsets, hungry, sleepy, or grouchy, often go together. But they filter how we respond to things. Hmm. Wow. So when we accept words and emotions that are, didn't come from us, we are inviting that person to, to we're giving our power over to them. Let Does me ask you something, Joe. Um, I, I certainly understand the concept of choice, but I didn't necessarily have that when I was a child and getting all of the negative input that I was getting. Um, how do you suggest children uh, deal with things? Or do you just talk to the parents and tell them how dangerous what they're doing is? I, I talk to parents mostly or to adults. And I talk to, to uh, I talk with some, some, uh, Mid some teenagers from time to time. I, when I when I'm talking with a young child, young being in single mm -hmm. digits, I just look at look in the eye and and tell them they are so loved, they are so important. They just don't understand, and the problem is. We've all have gone through the same cycle. Nobody, as you said earlier, Dave, our parents did this, but what we, what they did was done. They were just repeating what was done to them. Mm. We have right. been passing down this chain, unbroken chain of pain and anger and lashing out that, and generation after generation, and we don't understand that we are so loved. We, each of us, are so important. I had a, I had a, uh, one of my passengers one time say, Joe, I understand. I, I really do. I get the, I get the love. I get, I understand why love is so important. I got to love myself. But I don't understand why I have to forgive. <laughs> why? Why is forgiveness right there with love? Well, hold that thought, Joe. We're going to talk okay. about forgiveness when we get back. We have to take a short break. 
So we'll be right back with Joe Murphy and Adrian Gruberg and myself, Dave Nassani. We'll be right back. We are a community of caregivers that understands and supports you wherever you are in your journey. We are a place to connect with other caregivers, but more importantly, a place to get practical, actionable help. There are lots of ways for you to get support. First of all, you can download our welcome pack. This will get you started on your Thrive journey. Next, you can ask and get answers to your questions by posting them here in our private Facebook groups. You can also get live online support by attending one of our live weekly Connect webinars. You can get practical, actionable advice by listening to our weekly podcast. You can hear and read other stories about other caregivers' experiences. Plus, add your own in our weekly Share Your Story forum, posted every Tuesday in the Facebook group. You can access essential resources and download practical Thrive Solutions Packs, all of which are geared to help you thrive as a caregiver. You can get lifetime access to all of our resources. Again, we're here to support you and help you thrive and to enjoy your life as a caregiver. And remember, this is a place to get hope, not just cope. And we're back with Adrian Gruberg and our guest, uh, Joe Murphy. And I'm Dave Nassani. And we're talking about, right now, unforgiveness. And, uh, Joe, I always say that uh, drinking poison is like uh, not forgiving someone and hoping the other person dies because it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't ever hurt us, you know. I'm sorry. It doesn't ever hurt them. They're busy having a great old time, and they have no clue what they did to you. Or, or if they did, they don't care. And you're the one that's devastated. And, you know, you're throwing these daggers and these arrows out of them uh, at them, and they're not feeling it. But those, the, they're like boomerangs. They're coming back, and they're hurting you. Totally right. I mean, you, there, there is a uh, – I used to read the Sunday comics in the paper, and there was a comic strip. I think it's still going, but this was about 20 years ago, and it's called Rose is Rose. And – one one they had a, a about a week script about the woes the wife had was angry with her husband and not forgiving him and so the, each day was about her pouting and he said he was mystified what had he done he didn't understand <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. and the, it ended on a sunday when she said i'm letting you out of the dungeon because I've learned that for me to be the keeping you in the dungeon, I'm the dungeon keeper. I got to be guarding the gate. I got to be right here with you. Yeah, and sometimes you know we don't even remember what caused the feud. You know, the Hatfields and the McCoys. Right. Nobody remembers what started that thing. You know, <laughs> but all they remember, and and kids growing up from a small age, is that you know we don't like uh, uncles, Uncle uh, Joe and Aunt Sally because uh, whatever. You know, but yeah, you just got to, um, I was always told when I went to church that God takes our sins and he buries them into the sea of forgetfulness and he puts a sign up that says no fishing. <laughs> no fishing. <laughs> you know, there, there's a country song, maybe maybe a dozen years ago, I forget who did it. But anyway, he, it's the husband is singing, you know, me and my wife, we, we, we had a fight and we buried the hatchet. We left the handle <laughs> sticking out. <laughs> <laughs> and we we pull that hand that hand back out ever so often 
Then we bear it again, but we pull it back out. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of a joke. Uh, this this guy uh, was visiting Jerusalem, um, you know, on vacation, and while he was there, his wife suddenly died, and so he went, uh, you know, to the uh, coroner and uh, the funeral director, and he says, "Now, sir." Um, I got to tell you that if you have her buried here in Jerusalem, it would be a lot cheaper than sending the body back to America. Uh, in fact, it'll be like $3,000 cheaper. Now, what would you like to do? And he thinks for a minute and he says, no, I think we better bury her here. He says, oh, okay, if that's what you want, but I'm, I'm just curious. Why, why would you want to do that? He says, well, I don't know. A couple of thousand years ago, I heard that there was a guy who, who you buried in Jerusalem and uh, he rose from the dead, and I can't take those kind of chances. <laughs> Taking no chances. Taking no chances. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, so you talk about three steps. Um, develop unconditional love for ourselves, find our purpose, and uh, choose our path. Why don't you uh, comment on that? The On the three steps? Yeah. Okay. The, They're your and, three and, steps, right? Right, the three steps. Okay. The so step one, most important priority number one, the most the I believe the reason we are here is to learn to love, to love everything. But we can only we can't share what we don't have. If your neighbor came to you and said, "Hey, Dave, I'm baking a cake, and but I just noticed I'm two eggs short. Can I get two eggs from you?" And you say, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to give you two eggs. But you go to the refrigerator, somebody already ate your last egg. Can you give your neighbor two eggs? No, no. sir. We can't share what we don't have. So we need to learn to love ourselves just the way we are, unconditionally, through everything. The way that we we may envision God loves us, or we want God to love us this way, love yeah. ourselves that way. You know, that's easier said than done. Before you move on to the second one, how does somebody love themselves if they really are having trouble doing that? Is there a, a one, two, three step <laughs> to how to love yourself? There is about a five-step process on how to love yourself. And the I go into this in my book, and the first step is to, in the beginning of the day, twice a day, I, be, I did it the beginning of the day and end of the day. Go to the mirror. And I use the bathroom mirror. Go to the bathroom mirror and look myself in the eye and tell myself, I am loved. I am loved, no matter what. Like a newborn is loved by that when they get home from, come home from the hospital, no matter what they do, they are loved. I am loved that way. I am proud. I, I, I am proud of myself for, and I name think of something I have done, something good that went right. Maybe it's just that I'm I'm going through the practice. I'm reminding myself I am loved because this is very, very difficult chain link to break, but it's worth the effort. Another step is. Then to tell myself, remind myself, looking at myself in the eye, of what I am wanting to do, what I see myself wanting to do. And then there are some other steps, but the, the back, that's all in the book. And those are the most important steps. 
Those three steps by themselves, you do that for 60 days, and you'll have a different perspective. Guaranteed, huh? Guaranteed. Awesome. So uh, when you talked about find our purpose, how do we find our purpose? We well, we find our purpose by getting in by as we learn to love ourselves, and that's the key. And that's why that's step one. That's that's got to be in process. Not maybe not there yet, but we're getting there. And then, what is it I want to do? What is in my heart that brings me joy and makes me wake up every morning thinking I am so fortunate? I am fortunate. I am so grateful for being me. So Can we find find out what that is, and then begin practicing it, thinking about it, feeling the joy. Yeah, because everybody has different gifts. You know, some people are musically talented. Some people are great counselors. Some people, you know, can can solve Einstein's you know riddles of of the universe. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, um, you know, we were born with these gifts. And so many people, I mean, you talk about the pain of regret. So many people go through their lives without, number one, knowing they even have these gifts. Number two, developing them. And number three, three implementing them. And what a wasted life that is, you know. So we need to discover what those gifts are. Then we need to develop them because, you know, maybe they just come naturally like uh a child prodigy who plays the violin at four years old and doesn't need any lessons, but that's rare, uh, develop those gifts. Seek out the people who are the best in your gifting and, and let them teach you some tricks and, and tips to uh, make them even better. Well, I like, well said. I like to use what I think I call my puzzle analogy. You put a puzzle together before, right? Yeah. Okay. Basically, everybody everybody has the many of the pieces of that puzzle look similar, similar shape, similar color, Mm -hmm. but they only one. Each one only goes one place. And if you put that, if you finish that puzzle, and you've lost the piece, a piece is missing. Is that puzzle (laughs) complete? Well, it looks strange. Well, I, I say, I say, God is putting the puzzle together of the universe, mm. and you and I, each one of us, everyone, play a part. Is a piece of that puzzle. Yeah, there is no replacement for us, but we all work together. And the on the as the macro picture, and on the micro picture, we ourselves, as we go through life and have their experiences and our insights and experiencing grow and stumble mm-hmm. and fall, we're given our piece color and texture yeah. and depth. You know, and I, I believe God wants us to work together with those. You know, nobody's uh, alike. Everyone's different. You know, even I'll talk politics for a minute here. You know, the, the conservatives might be good at balancing a budget, you know, when they actually do it. And, you know, the liberals might be good at saving the planet and giving us clean water and clean air. And, and you know, they hate each other. And, and it's like you can't survive without either one of them. You know, can you imagine right. what a great country this would be, again, if if we just worked together and put aside our petty little political differences? It, Dave, we, we have a caller. We do. 
Yeah. Where Hi are guys. they? Very hairy around my oh. penis and my balls. Monic masturbator. Love to jerk off. I take my own cum. Love to kiss, oh. suck, fuck, jerk off, eat ass. Wonderful. Hang really? Is that a yeah. prank call? That's <laughs> a prank. prank. <laughs> Hang up on him. <laughs> yes. That's they got their own problems, don't we all? The yeah. the uh, I would, but did you finish, Dave? Yeah, yeah, I did. The uh, you can talk about the third uh, thing, which is um, uh, choose our path, your our path. path, our track. Yeah, the we have uh, choosing our path. The 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 seasons. Mother Nature has summer and winter, opposite, uh-huh. but they balance each other. Okay, we in our life we come. I, I, my book I, I present the the idea that we come in this world of the sensory world, sensory yeah. based. See, touch, feel, taste, hear. Hi, Daniel. This is John. Yeah, I muted him. Glad. We, we 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 hear that and we but we experience things that don't go we have anomalies happen living in the sensory world things that don't really jive we they, this happened how'd that happen yeah. and, and and as we grow we begin to peel the onion if you will to look underneath the surface and we move into the metaphysical world beyond the physical and there we we learn to uh, that there's as as Albert Einstein said one of the the, the he, he said that the imagination is more important more important oh, yeah. than knowledge and uh, we're the only animal that uh, has an imagination you know the dogs and the cats and the lions and the elephants uh, you know they're just kind of on autopilot their instincts tell them what to do and how to swim how to survive how to eat. So tell me, here's uh, let's solve the biggest problem in the world uh, theologically, <laughs> and that is uh, why do bad things happen to good people? Everybody wants to know that. Bad things happen to good people. Like Einstein said, we can't resolve a problem from the same perspective that we discover it, find it. Bad things happen to good people is a story. Is we're living the stories that we tell ourselves. We're experiencing the stories that we tell ourselves, and we have these things happen that the anomalies that don't seem to jive with what should be, and it's all for the point of asking our, we awakening our senses to understand that what we experience is a story. And we can tell ourselves, we can live a new story, but first we have to awaken. Yeah. Wow. Anything to say, Adrian? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm just thinking what bad things have happened to me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, I'm actually glad that caller came on and, and uh, did what he did because I realize I have a control here that says mute new people on entry. So there we go. Aha! <laughs> that should be like, uh, uh, you know, without having to turn it on, you should they should have it so that it automatically is silent and then you have to turn them, turn them on if they want to talk. So, yeah, in the years we've been doing this, that's never, ever, ever been happening, Mm-mm. ever happened. But I guarantee it'll never happen again. 
twice. <laughs> because well, I think it was the same. It was the same guy. Learning. Yeah, care. it was a, a different phone number. Same guy. Yeah. Some people just have too much time on their hands. Yeah, I feel that way whenever someone comes into the restroom at my gas station. It's a very busy restroom, and they tag it all up. You know, I, I just want to oh. castrate them, cut off their fingers <laughs> to teach them. No, you don't graffiti. Because in some Middle Eastern countries, you know, that's what they do. If you steal something, they cut off your right hand. <laughs> and if you rape somebody, you know, they cut off that thing. And, uh, it it does seem to work for some strange reason. <laughs> <laughs> there's when when there is a clear distinction, when there's a clear connection to this type of behavior has this kind of response. A price to pay for this is effective. Yeah, generally speaking. So uh, we live the story that we tell ourselves, and and how to write a new story. How do we write a new story? If our old story is all messed up, you know, we were molested as a child. We were, you know, we're just, we're just messed up. We were beaten. And that story in our head just plays over and over again, doesn't it? Yes, it does. We have many, everyone has different levels of pain and different events that happen in their life that we don't understand. But, but, when we look at life from a perspective that I've lived the story I'm telling myself, I'm living the story that I wrote at one point in time. I'm experiencing that, and I have the power to choose, but the choice is within my power. When I, have, when I make that choice and awaken to that, and I begin to write a new story, the story that I want, then things change along those lines. What also happens is that when we, a way to help boost that is when, is that back up and say that when we wrote these stories that we have, we were often young, very, started when we were very young and we connected events that were not connected, but we connected them in ways that made sense to us. And we built this, around that this is how the world works but actually all that it is is how our world works right then until we tell ourselves a new until we write a new story to give you an example when i was in when i was a senior in high school i had met a girl at somehow from the other side of town and i went to a birthday party with her to uh to to people that she went to school with. And as we walked onto that porch and I started to reach for the doorbell, a sudden insight came to me that nobody here, nobody here knew me. Nobody here, because I I was not I had I had been living in a shell from the pain of my childhood accident. I was I didn't fit in. I didn't I, I was an, I felt like I was an outcast, mm. but on that porch, I thought nobody here knows me. Yeah, I can be me. That's right. And I went in and I had a wonderful time. Yeah, that's how it was for me in eleventh grade. You know, uh, everybody knew me. I was kind of a geek because uh, uh, they knew me from grade school, and you know, they just kind of followed you up to eleventh grade. And in twelfth grade, my cousin came out from New York and. 
we decided we're going to go to a new school. And so we went to the, and you know what? I was Mr. Popular because nobody knew my past. <laughs> nobody knew the bullies that had been uh, persecuting me, you know, over yes. the years. And him and I were picking up girls left and right because we were like, <laughs> you know, Star Starsky and Hutch. <laughs> so it's so true. So we're going to take a break on that note, and we'll be right back. Don't go away. Dave Nassani, the caregiver's caregiver, has just released his sixth book entitled It's My Life Too. Reclaim your caregiver sanity by learning when to say yes and when to say no. It was specifically written for caregivers who know they should be putting their needs first, but just don't know how. Dave is the sole caregiver to his wife, Charlene, since 1996. He knows firsthand what caregivers are going through, because he is one. And he now speaks all across the country, offering caregivers his incredible caregiver support package. Even the airlines tell us that in the event of an emergency, to put your oxygen mask on first, before you help your child with their mask. They know that those who don't heed their advice often black out, thus becoming unable to help either themselves or their child. And caregivers are exactly the same way. It's my life too. Reclaim your caregiver sanity by learning when to say yes and when to say no. We'll help caregivers who are neglecting their sleep, diet, and social life, and learn to put their needs first. Pick up your copy today, or buy one for your special caregiver. On sale everywhere, and at caregiverscaregiver.com. And we're back with uh, our guests, Joe Murphy and Adrian Gruberg, and I'm Dave Nassani. And we are talking about Joe's book, Living Full Tilt, and all of the things that we uh, are discussing that's inside of his book. I wanted to ask you, um, unconditional acceptance and love for ourselves. Uh, you, you write, we position ourselves in the constant flow of God's love coming to us by learning to look deeper within and developing an unconditional acceptance. And you make it sound so easy, but <laughs> unconditional acceptance, that almost sounds like unconditional love. And that I don't think any human is capable of loving someone unconditionally. There's always strings attached. There's always... You know, uh, well, I love you, but gosh, if you could just lose a few pounds, you know, life would be perfect. <laughs> or, you know, if you just let me go out uh, on weekends with my uh, friends, you know, that'd be good or whatever. What do you have to say about that? There, uh, you're totally right. And but the key is we is to choose what you what you focus on. The outcome. When we base everything on the outcome, and, that, and that's what we do in, across this world, we based, we're outcome-based, and we're, well, I'm going to be happy when. This would be great when. When I do this, great. Focus on the moment, being here now. We can't control the outcome. The outcome is in the hands of the man upstairs. But we can control whether we commit or don't commit. The I don't know if you may have seen the some of the Star Wars movies, the uh, Star Wars movies. Oh yeah, all of okay. them. <laughs> so there, so there were in the second, very second one, uh, Luke Skywalker had gone to learn the way of the Jedi from Yoda, right. and Yoda was teaching him, and he said, "Lift your jet." And we saw Luke. Well, I thought you were going to do an impersonation of Yoda. Oh no, no, no impersonation! But I'm going to—I have an insight for you here, and that is, 
we saw Luke lifting the jet up, but his little companion, R2-D2, got all excited and made noises, and Luke <laughs> didn't have the confidence, and went back down. And Yoda said, do this. And he said, I can't. It's impossible. I think he, and Luke said, I'll try. Became a big saying in this country. We Try means attempt. It doesn't, there's no commitment in that. If we commit, we can commit or not commit. And Luke, Luke could have said, I'm getting there. So the key, one of the keys is to say, I'm getting there. I'm practicing. See, what you're doing is practicing. And after you practice, I'm getting, say, say to yourself, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. And if you practice and keep practicing and telling yourself, I'm getting there and feeling the joy of that, you will get there. Oh, good point. It's worked for me. It's worked for countless others. The outcome, let go of the outcome. The outcome is not in our hands, but we can yeah. practice. We can practice. So to answer your question, we practice understanding in this, that we don't, we don't make it. I don't know. I'm, yeah. I doubt we can make it in this world. Well, we have the power to choose our perspective. I mean, the glass is either half empty or half full. And uh, you can either be optimistic about life or pessimistic about life. You know, if you're worried that a car is going to hit you when you cross the street one day and you're not going to uh, live out your life, well, you know, that might become a self-fulfilling prophecy because right. it's the laws of a magnetic attraction, you know. Uh, yeah. So many people have written about things like that. It's like, you know, the world will say, I'll see, I'll believe it when I see it. But, you know inside here the way we were built it's i will see it no i will believe it i will believe it when i see it no that's what they say but we say yeah. i will see it when i believe it right so yes. it has to happen up here yes. first they were all confused it has to happen <laughs> up here first you know and you you look at um every single successful person in the world you know uh regardless of who they are or you know, um, Mother Teresa, I bet you that she always was passionate about helping the uh, underdog and helping people who were in need. That didn't just happen overnight, I don't think, you know. She believed that that she saw the poverty around the world and, and you know, people would tell her, well, you can't save the whole world. Uh, but she figured out, I think I can if I try one country at a time. And so she went to Calcutta, India and everyone talks about her and she made a difference in in that country and that city where uh most of the population just lived on the gutter so yeah got to believe it before you see it garth brooks had a song um mike it was circle circle of fire but he said i'm i'm, I'm the world says you can't save the world and i'll get told people say you can't save the world and I tell, and I'm just, I reach out to help. And they say, you can't save the world. And I say, I'm not trying to save the world. I'm telling the world it won't change me. So I'm, mm. and as we go from person to person, Mother Teresa going from person to person, helping one person at a time, not letting the world change her. Yeah, who knows that one of the people that she helped to uh, save her life or his life is is the next guy who who uh, you know finds his way to college and 
and uh, develops the next cure for cancer. I mean, you know, you just don't know. And so I think we're coming up on our uh, time is up moment. And so if there's <laughs> one last thing you want to share with our audience that you haven't already, what do you want them to go home with? I want them to go home with live as if everything is rigged in your favor. Oh, I like because that. Because it is. I like that. If you believe it, it is. Yeah, absolutely. Margaret uh. Mead. Margaret Mead <laughs> was very fortunate. She was fortunate beyond belief. And once a friend of hers said, well, Margaret, why are you so, why are you so fortunate? How does that happen? And she said, because I expect it to be. I expect to be. We write our new own stories. When you right. went to high school, the 12th year, everything changed. You wrote yourself a new story without being aware of it. Yeah. Well, how do we get a hold of you if we want to buy your book or talk to you or pick your brain? Well, I welcome that. My, my website is livingfulltilt.com. There is a comment box on my website to send me a question. Got a comment, got a question. I'm ready to ready to be, get connected. My there's a link on my website to buy my book and livingfulltilt.com. You know, I almost know what living full tilt means. It's an expression that I've I think I've heard before. Can you explain it? Living full tilt is choosing to go all out. All living out. as if everything is rigged in your favor. And where does the tilt come from? I, I think of, you know, vending machines, you know, when you would bang on it and say, tilt, tilt. <laughs> well, it came, it came originally from medieval Europe when the knights would joust. And if a knight was putting everything into it, putting their, their soul and heart into their joust, they would hold their, 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 their uh, lance up high, tilted full up straight ahead. Uh -huh. And, it, and that, that came to be called full tilt. Mm. And I say live full tilt. And, and I'm, a passenger told me that in poker, when a, a poker player is playing everything out, they call that full tilt. Full tilt. Mm. <laughs> Let it ride. Well, that's great. Adrian, how do we get a hold of you? Uh, it's Adrian at thecaregiverspace.org. And the website's thecaregiverspace.org. And the Facebook page is just The Caregiver Space. Great. And I'm Dave Nassani, and I'm at caregiverdave.com. And a reminder that all these shows, including this one, is on our website, is on YouTube, is on all of the platforms I mentioned before, <laughs> audio and video. And we have three free gifts for you at caregiverdave.com. Just check it out. No obligation. Then consider joining there's tremendous value there to help you stay alive and burn out free because 30% of you, we just know, are going to die because uh, you're going to burn out and, and no one's going to be around to take care of your loved one. You're going to die before your loved one, and that's depressing. And uh, a lot more of you are going to become sicker, hospitalized, and eventually need a caregiver of your own. And so you're both going to need a caregiver and uh, there aren't enough caregivers to go around, buddy. Let me tell you that. <laughs> Not enough facilities. I mean, we're in trouble. I call it the caregiver tsunami. Mm. Uh, if you think uh, Social Security and Medicare is in trouble because more people are taken out than putting in, 
you ain't seen nothing yet. Nope. Everyone's going to either become a caregiver, need a caregiver, or they already are a caregiver. And so now's the time to learn how to become a caregiver, not after tragedy strikes and you don't have time to scratch your head. So Joe and Adrian, all my listeners out there, thank you again for tuning in. So until next time, goodbye, and may God richly bless you all. Thank you, Dave and Adrian. I appreciate it. Thank you, Joe. Thank you for listening to the Caregiver's Caregiver radio program with Dave Nassani.